happen to be a first-time visitor or someone who um, just has been new in the community and you're checking us out, we would love to get to know you. If you raise your hand, one of our ushers will bring you some information about our church so you can get to know about us. And then there's a card in the seat back in front of you. And if you fill that out, you can drop it in the offering. And then we can get information to you that you might need, Bible studies or just different things that are going on in the church. Um, that's also a great way to communicate with the office. If um, address has changed or if you have a prayer request, be sure to fill that out. Um, okay, lots going on. It's Christmas, so <laughs> a lot going on. Um, this week at Thrive, we want to start off with uh, the nativity scene. The whole Christmas movie, I don't know if you guys have seen it, it's incredibly well done. And um, we just felt like this is a great way to start out the season. It can, families can come. If you know someone, invite them, invite them, invite them. It's a great, it's a witnessing tool because it absolutely shares how Christ was born, but it has a salvation message through it. Um, and so we're going to start a little early though, 630. So put that in your little brains up here. 630, 630, on Wednesday. Um, we'll have the movie. We have a lot of drinks here, but if you guys want to bring snacks, we could have snacks and just have a great fun family movie night. Okay, get the season started. Um, then the, let me see, next week, right after that, we're going to do jail outreach. It's a great, great night. We fill the bags for the inmates. We pray for them and pray for their families. It's just an awesome ministry that we have here. So please join us for that. The next two weeks at Thrive are going to be super fun. Um, okay, Christmas banquet is coming up on the 10th. It's on a Sunday. It's at Ridgemark. And so I'm sure most of you, if you've signed up, you've got a call this week. So what happens is we've got to get those payments in. We have to give headcounts today um, based on who's coming and who's not. So please, 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 if you are coming, put a payment in. If for some reason you have forgotten your checkbook, you need to come and talk to me today so that I know that you're in because I have to give final numbers, okay? Thank you, thank you. We want you all there. It's a super fun night. It is so fun, so please. And if you haven't signed up, come and talk to me because today is the last day. If you're here and you haven't signed up, let me know, okay? Um, also, food bank. We have a bin out in the lobby. Please make sure, bring um, non-perishable foods, canned items, and let's help out the local community with um, canned food drive. Um, I think that that is all I have. Yes? Okay. Good morning. Um, you know, as as Christmas is approaching, I just think about the wonderful gift that God has given us and and the wonderful opportunity that he gives us to give back to the kingdom. So if you'll bow your heads with me, we'll go ahead and pray over our offering this morning. Father, we're just so thankful, thankful that we're, although we're reminded throughout the year because we belong to you about your son, but at Christmas it seems to be intensified, Lord, and we thank you for that. And we thank you that you have given us this opportunity to give back with our tithes and our offerings. So as we give this morning, we ask for your blessing upon our giving. Multiply its effectiveness for your kingdom, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.
Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you this child that you delivered would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Oh, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm?
my favorite Christmas song in all the world. Um, Pastor Bruce asked me to share, and, and Pastor Bruce is my husband, but I'm calling him Pastor Bruce because I realize we have two Bruces in our very small leadership team. It's sort of unusual. Uh, I just want to share a moment about uh, the activity and the ministry that we did yesterday because I know that maybe the church wouldn't understand, but we brought a, uh, a great team here from Hollister, and we partnered with Gateway Church, and we did a prophetic ministry for Cathedral of Faith, and um, it was profound. And I just want to brag on our team, the quality of prophetic ministry that came from our team, the ability to work together, the, um, the impact and effect on the people that came up for ministry was just, I was in awe over what God did. And I felt like even, he did more than we really even understand because you put three churches together that are there full of the love of God and wanting to work together and minister, uh, things really do begin to happen. And you know, I'm just really impressed with the quality of people in our church that hear the voice of God, are very submitted and very much a part of a team here, and the way they really hear the Lord. And I'm just giving that a plug because you can experience that. We're going to be, there's going to be some changes. We feel a lot of really good things happening in the church, but in the altar time, when you come up, you can expect God to speak to you because there's people that are really learning and being trained to be sensitive to how to operate in the prophetic. And it's just to build up, encourage, comfort, um, exhort, and strengthen the body of Christ. And we're the body. So we just wanted to just uh, thank everyone who was a part of that. It was a really, really awesome time. So thank you. kind of my exhortation before I start the message on pursuit of God's presence for week seven is really about um, what God's been doing over you know 18 years of coming here to start a church and you know when Dory and I were called and sent out we were sent out as a team you know it wasn't like just I'm the I'm the boss yeah I have the final uh, say about what's going on, but I really rely on Dory's prophetic gifts and the vision that she really brings to the church and to see over the last couple of years the things that she saw about having cleansing scenes and waiting for the timing of God. A lot of times, you know, we'll agree and we'll share with something, but she'll say, I don't think it's the timing right, timings yet. So we wait and we pray. And then to see how cleansing scenes came and what a dynamic presence of God it brought and, and what healing and changes it brought in us. And as I look at the church, what we've done in the past, our different outreaches, our, our different seasons of having the different, the two homes, and to see how things have seemed like they've stopped. But I noticed even as it seems like we've dwindled down, God has been doing a deep core thing in this church, a deep core thing with people who will submit and trust us as leaders and trust what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their gifts. And we've gone through a lot of tests and trials in the last 18 years, and We've seen God work in people, and we've seen uh, people sometimes bail and run because they couldn't quite understand the dealings of God, the timing of God, and what God wants to do. And, you know, we're saved by grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. But sometimes if you'll stick, 
the grace of God and what he wants to do to develop a call and to raise you up is a lot harder. You're going to go through a lot more tests, a lot more things where you're going to say, this is too hard for me. But if you'll determine to let God use you and you'll submit under, I tell you, the potential that God has to use you in a greater way and to affect a generation to come is powerful. And it's worth everything that, that you can go through. And, you know, last this last year, uh, I felt like th- when I got up earlier this year and, and I and I kind of prophesied that um, about barrenness and, you know, we went through talking about that and teaching about it and I, God just began to show me all the barrenness in my life. And then, you know, all the things that we came down here on our heart that God would do, heal people, restore people, uh, restore marriages, all these things. It seems like so many people, like, didn't seem like they got their healing or left or whatever. It, it just, as a pastor, when you have a vision of God on your heart, you feel like a little bit let down. And I think it was in Isaiah, uh, again, I think it was right before the summer or whatever, I felt like God had said that, um, like, that I think it's a scripture in Isaiah where it says, we have brought healing to no one. And I, and I shared different experiences I had this week about people coming in and re- being reminded that, you know, we had this person in our home and they didn't get delivered and they, they didn't walk on in their freedom in Christ. And just the enemy, how w- when you see something that, that God is saying to you and it kind of focuses on it's negative, like, man, we haven't produced any fruit. We haven't seen uh, people free. It just echoes uh, in your heart like, like with the enemy, what he's trying to tell you that, you know, nothing's happening. But God, who uh, can take the negative words and can take what we see and begin to transform and, and uh, let you see that God is really working and doing new things, that's what I'm seeing that's happening in, in our church. To see, uh, I think it was 13 uh, people with in couples from uh, people coupled up in, in, on our team that went out. You know, we had Refresh here this summer where Gateway brought their team of prayers and those who had the prophetic gift and many of you experience going up and having those different areas in your life challenged and brought healing and then to see how you know dory's been working with their church and colleen from gateway and john you know which we've had relationships with for over for over 37 years to see how god is has connected us with them and to see how david has risen up in mfi and took our region over and just see this great connection going on to see gil you know we went to help his church in this like a refresh thing that we did with Gateway yesterday at Cathedral of hey, Faith to see um, Gil Gonzalez and who we grew up with at Christian Community and to see him be our youth pastor, him and V for a number of years, and then to see them go back to Cathedral of Faith and see him be as branch pastors. We saw words fulfilled that were said to us a long time that not all the fruit is going to stay here, but there's going to be fruit from the house in Hollister. There's going to be fruit that's going to touch eventually the nations. And that is such an encouragement to me as a pastor to know when when you're looking for fruit and you're wanting to see things happen and it doesn't happen and you wonder and, with, and you listen because the enemy is whispering to the very things that you know and y- you feel the shame or you feel like, God, what are you doing? When are you going to answer your prayer? When is that prophetic word going to come to pass? When are those promises? When am I going to see those promises? And it, and it just kind of does this thing. But I feel like, you know, okay, we can look around. We see a lot of empty chairs, but I feel in the spirit what's going on is profound. I feel like God has built us, and there is such a core of what God's doing. I feel the impact we're going to have, and we're praying. I feel like the impact we're going to have with other churches in Hollister, seeing the love of God, seeing the unity, see people be able to work through offenses and problems and things to get really connected. I feel like I'm so excited about what God's doing in this church and, and how he's being faithful to do what he wanted to do when he wanted this church started. And he, I tell Dory, God, what is it God calls imbeciles? 
so that he might show his glory, you know, through his body. That it's not about the leader, but it's about the people who find Christ and they find that there's something great in following Jesus. And they begin to rise up and they begin to go against their world and they begin to go against their own mind and they begin to submit and begin to find that God does something in them that is greater than anything they could have accomplished on their own. And this morning in my, I just love where I'm at right now too because I fought for years. I've been fighting for years even as a pastor the last 18 years, probably the first 10 years were the hardest fighting to just make sure I'm hearing from God and the agony of having a natural mind and natural emotions and and seeing things from a natural way and striving to discern what God is trying to say to me and am I hearing what God's saying and am I being able to uh, interpret or speak in a way that people are going to understand what I feel like he's trying to say to us and that wrestling but I feel like he's downloading stuff every day I, I have this thing because I can't read my writing I have to keep this daily journal on my computer and every day God is downloading something and he, he, he downloaded this to me today and this was about Moses and we know what Moses went through all that he went through and at 40 years old you know he he tries to to make his play and he deals with that Egyptian and then boom you know he fails and they're they're trying to take his life so he runs and so he spends 40 years out in the wilderness he's you might say, like, he, to be 80 years old and God finally says you're ready for ministry, you'd think, like, are you kidding? <laughs> really? So we know here as 80, God begins to call him. God puts this plan together to send him back to uh, Israel, or back to Egypt to take Israel out and bring him into freedom. And I don't know what he thought of, but, but as a, a pastor, as someone who's been trying to do this, and someone who ha- has had an ache in his heart at times because you don't see the fruit, or you don't see people grasping the truth and the importance of what we have given to us and the message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that we're uh, offered to be partakers in. But anyway, he's going along, right? And so he, he takes those steps of faith. And on his, on his way back, you know, God's going to, God says, I'm going to kill you. What? I'm going to kill you because you didn't, set, you didn't circumcise your son. And it says God went and it was going to kill Moses. You think, like, wow, this is extreme. You called to save him and all of a sudden now you're going to kill him because he was getting in alignment with everything he, he wanted happen. He wanted his family to be circumcised because how could he represent the kingdom of God and the message of God if he didn't have his own life and his own family in order? And so he does that. And so he's hearing from God and he's told to go into Egypt. But as it unfolds, when he gives that message to Egypt, uh, Pharaoh says, you know what? I think I'm too easy on these Jewish people. They have all this time to ask for a day to go worship this God that I know nothing about. And so he gets on the, uh, the Jewish taskmasters and he said, obviously, you have too much time on your hands. So I'm going to have you go out and get your own straw to make brick. But let me tell you, there's to be no less in the quota that your people have to make. And so the people are angry. These these guys who are the go-betweens between uh, the Pharaoh's armies and the people, and they're the ones that are driving the, the children of Israel, their brothers, they're driving them to work. They are beaten because Pharaoh wants them to know this is serious, and you better get that quota and tally of bricks. You better get those slaves to work. And so they're coming back from meeting with Moses, and they're angry. And this is uh, Exodus um, 5, verses 19-23. And the Hebrew foreman saw that they were in an evil situation when it was said, you shall not diminish in least your full qu- quota or tally daily quota of bricks. And the foreman met Moses and Aaron, who were standing in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And the foreman said to them, 
the Lord took upon you and judged because you have made us rotten stench in the, and to be detested by Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to slay us. Then, and you know what, that speaks of situations that you might be in yourself right now and you might be tempted to defy God and be angry at God because you feel like something is in your life and every one of us has something that has a knife at our throat and it's coming against every promise and everything we know uh, at one time that God was going to do in our life and it comes against our faith, it comes against our future and it comes against our moving forward in God. And verse 22 says, Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you dealt evil to this people? Why did you s ever send me? And I tell you, there's been times where I said, why did you send us to Hollister? Why did you send me? And he goes on, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And there's times I've talked to God like this. God, come on, you're a healer, you're a deliverer. What's happening? Why aren't people changed? Why aren't people being delivered? Why are people rising up to serve you? But I feel like in this season that we've gone through the summer, and as I see in the Spirit what's going on, God is beginning to move, even though it seems like there's a defiance, even it seems like Satan would bring every kind of thing against us, every kind of thing against your call, every kind of thing against what God wants to do in your life. There is something underneath the surface. There is something moving and happening by the Spirit that's defying everything that you're seeing and feeling. Our people who were called on and uh, to, to be a part of this, um, everyone could testify what opposition they got, went under because Satan does not want the voice of God to come. He does not want your prophetic voice to shout out. He does not want you to move past intimidation and fear. He does not want you to move into your spiritual gifts so he will throw everything he can at you. And many of you, if you had a chance to talk to you talk about what things came against you in those last couple weeks because you had set, uh, set out and set apart yesterday to be used by God. But only by going through what you did did you have a testimony of how God used you. And just like Tina got up and said today, it sparked something in you, and you realize, I've got something in me that is the positive of God, and I'm not just a normal Christian anymore. I'm beginning to walk in the Spirit. I'm beginning to be the person that God has called me to be. And you're coming out of intimidation. You're coming out of all the lies of the enemy. You're coming out of this mediocre Christian life because it's a very spiritual, spiritual thing and a serious thing that God does when we say yes to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you. I found myself encouraging a few people already this morning because I knew the situations and things are going to. Don't give up. I've seen what you've persevered up to this time. I've seen the things that you've been doing to press forward. And I know Satan is using this thing to hold you back. Don't let it hold you back. You get up and you press against everything you see, against every feeling that the enemy pours upon you because you are to rise up and fulfill the call of God in your life. And I'm telling you that are out here that have been coming, come into this church, come in close, get in to learn to trust spiritual leadership. I learned the hard way. I learned by every place I was hurt, every place I was wounded by a leader, every place I was spoken to and said something about that wounded my spirit, but I didn't let it kill me. I let it, okay, I'm going to submit 
even though people are human and we look at each other and because we see humanness, we don't want to submit. The world is messed up because there's no submission. You see the, the train wreck in our own nation because people don't trust leaders and the murmuring and the backbiting and the complaints and the, and the slander that's going on. It's ruining the power of spiritual authority that God has given us to bring a protection over us and to cause us to have a place of safety. And I want to encourage you, you get in tight, you get under that covering, and you see how God begins to bless your life. You see how the enemy starts getting broken off of your life. And you see the purpose of your ministry and what God has for you become stronger and have, have effect and begin to grow because you are where God wants you. God takes us through a lot of character tests before we are developed, before he releases the ministry. And some people cut themselves off too soon, and they really don't produce the fruit they're supposed to produce because they don't submit and stay under spiritual authority. And I was so blessed to read this this morning and, and to see that, that as a leader, you know, I would cry out to see people changed. I want to I wanna die knowing that people are going to take up this ministry and people are going to serve God, not because, because they, they trusted me, not because they, they loved me in any way, but because somehow, because I'm standing here and because the people that have gathered here are standing here, that they're learning to trust Jesus. Just like the woman at the well, when she went back to her village, they said, hey, girl, we're not believing because of what you said any longer. We're believing because we've met him ourselves. And I tell you, our challenge to you is every time you come here, every time you go to a meeting, every time you go when we have our small groups, that you are getting something from God. Why? To make you strong in who you are. But then you take all of it, that who you are and you submit it back under spiritual authority. You submit it back to people in the body of Christ so there's checks and balances that you're not just some independent person flying by night and on your own. If you fly by your own, you're going to crash on your own because the enemy comes to pick off stragglers and people are on the fringes. But press in, press in. You know, make appointments, we'll talk to you. We want this body to go strong. There are so many places that need someone to rise up and fill. And we want God to take people and put them in their place. Why? Because there are a lot more people in halls that God wants to reach. There's a kingdom he's building. This kingdom that we're living in is temporal. We're all passing through it. But we're facing an eternal kingdom that's going to far outlast any amount of time we can live on this earth. And that's my appetizer. <laughs> I am so excited about God. I am so excited about God that he is a person of his word. Even though I've wrestled over the last few years, I've had stuff thrown at me dealing with cancer last, last year. And I, I was looking in the mirror the day and I think like I had cancer that I knew about for three weeks and I was in the hospital a day and a half and it's over, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. This week, since this episode, my physician uh, assistant that takes care of me, my PA, I go in for my, uh, my uh, appointment this week, and he doesn't want to talk about me. He's got some things he wants me to do, but he wants to talk about Jesus. <laughs> you know, it was profound that the way I had reactions and I didn't get thrown off, he was almost crying looking at my uh, MRI results and seeing I had this huge tumor in my kidney and wondering what's really going on with me. And, and now when I went back, he just wanted to talk. He goes, you know what? I, I have my, I have my, um, my son in, in um, where your kids went, Monta Vista. And I go, oh, yeah, we have some elders in our church. Their, their kids went through Monta Vista. C incredible school. He goes, do all Christians, because, because um, 
because I don't profess I'm a Christian or anything, do they all think we're not Christians? I said, no. I go, you know, people, when they talk to you, when Christians talk to you, they, they don't know everything about you, but they know about Jesus, and they just want to make sure you know who Jesus is, that Jesus died for your sins, and he went to the cross so that you could have eternal life. He wants you to have this relationship. I said, I said his name, I go, we have a spirit, but it died because of sin in the garden. And that's what we're doing as Christians. Our spirit comes alive. They have, we have this whole other part of us that comes alive. I said, and I said his name again, I go, here you are watching over all the people that come into your office. You have all this responsibility and you want them all to have good health. And so you're looking over their natural man. But I said, there's a spiritual part that, er, that is neglected. We, we, we make sure our minds are to their full extent of knowledge and everything else, and we, we try to have our bodies all healthy. But we're, we're racing towards eternity. You notice I say that a lot. We are racing towards eternity. And what about our spirit? That's what's going to take us into eternity. That's what's giving life to this body. And he is just all ears. And so I think I'm going to have to pay and do another appointment next month because he wants me to come back. <laughs> but these are the opportunities all of us have. People are hungry, no matter what they're going after, whether they have everything they want or their lives are falling apart. Deep down in their spirit, deep down in their heart, there's a cry to know that God of the universe, and his name is Jesus. And we are the ones, and I know Satan can sometimes keep us so overwhelmed with our own problems and our needs and finances to keep us so inward that we don't know, we don't realize that God is dwelling in us, and he, there's something that wants to rise up out of us that's even bigger than our problems, and it's about Jesus, and it's about what he wants to say to people around us, that we might impart to them something that's begun to change our lives, and that we should look at our problems with only a glance, and keep looking to Jesus who is trying to uh, use our problems to develop a deep trust and a deep faith in our lives. Okay, in pursuit of God's presence. To me, one of the greatest seasons is the Christmas season, a whole month to celebrate. You know, what's something I noticed that's been catching up to Christmas lately is Halloween. How many see Halloween has got, uh, people got bones in their front yard and skeletons and uh, demonic uh, headstones and everything for like a month. It's almost like you see how the counterfeit, the demonic is, is trying to have people focus on death. But when you think of birthdays, the only person I know that maybe celebrates their, their birthday more than one day is my wife. She likes to celebrate for the whole month. <laughs> but it's not a national holiday. It's not a universal holiday. <laughs> and we see Jesus, though. We see the Christmas season around Jesus. And what a marvelous thing that there's so many things based about Jesus and about the Christmas season, that the whole world celebrates this. And the modern thinking today is that, oh, uh, Jesus is not that important. Oh, yeah, he was just a historical character, but really there's no power, no influence in his life, and they're trying to diminish Jesus. They're even changing because the original B.C. was everything was dated before Christ. It was recognizing that this everything happened before Jesus was was born was all part of history but jesus was the defining line where now when he came it's ad it was after his ascension as after he, he he rose and we started time again but we know the modern thinkers now they even changing ad so it doesn't mean that anymore why it's just like jesus said as it comes towards the end the antichristal spirit wants to change even the the, the things that are familiar and the things that have been uh, established but we know the truth and so we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate this guy's birthday for a whole month. 
We're, we're getting ready. And who was this guy? He was a poor boy, born in the east, and yet everything is preparation to celebrate his birthday. Jesus, physical presence is introduced. Luke 2.8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Humble shepherds. Nobody out there taking care of the sheep. Who's thinking about them? Who's caring about them? I found a great relief today, I mean, on Thursday, coming in and getting invited to prayer. And uh, Lita invited me, because after the girls kind of go through some stuff, they invite me in to pray with them. And so she invited me, and I came. And then something came up, and I, I dealt with it, and then I, you know, I, so I didn't think, I just thought, well, should I come back in? I go, nah, I don't want to disturb it. So I just stayed in my office. And a few minutes later, she comes back. And I've learned something profound that as you are working with people and trusting them, they bring a lot of God to you. And they become another voice of confirmation that God is speaking to you. And I remember when, about four or five years ago, when they encouraged us to establish uh, an intercession team that would pray over the leaders and and pray over uh, the things that that are on our heart, that they said, be transparent before them and be honest about what's really going on in your life. And that takes a lot. But me and Dory practiced on really being transparent. And so I began to pray, God, forgive me, because I feel like I've had a lot of season over the last couple years of, of unbelief. And God, I feel like I've had spiritual pride. I feel like I, you know, you get to the place sometimes you've gone through things that you get numb and you're not being honest. Or, or you're being honest, but like with yourself, you know that you're kind of holding back inside and you're just going through the motions. And so I began to just repent about different things. And as I did, I just began to cry and weep. And after I had to thank Lita, I, I said, thank you for inviting me back in because I wouldn't have come back on my own. But I was at a place where I needed to ask forgiveness I need to repent for getting a hard, harder heart. And, you know, because sometimes when you're disappointed, like, like Moses, when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it, he had gotten to this place where he was a little bit disillusioned with the people. He was a little disillusioned with where God was and why God wasn't doing more things in deliverance. And so, you know, he made that mistake and he, it lost him going into the promised land. And I so appreciated just the wisdom about being honest and being transparent and being with people who you can trust to that you can be honest with because they're not going to judge you. But just feeling that the freedom that came as I just started repenting about so many different things and asking forgiveness. You know, it says confess your faults one to another, you know, that you might be healed. And I found that God just brought this healing and this excitement uh, in my heart. Okay, Luke not Luke, like Luke 2, 9. I hope you're tracking with all the stuff I'm throwing at you today. It's coming from my heart. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone round about, and they were terrified. I feel like that's what's happening this summer. Things are starting to break loose, and God is starting to reveal his glory to us. And it's in a, in a fresh way. And, you know, it's like, it's not like God to let us go through wildernesses and deserts and then bring us into new seasons where we experience his glory. Our key verse for today, Luke 2.10. The angels announced Jesus. But the angels said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. 
Jesus is the great joy for your life. Don't let your circumstances dictate your joy. All of us have circumstances. All of us have things we're facing that are trying to dictate joy. God wants this to be the greatest season of Christmas that you've ever had in your life. Think of all the preparation. Are you guys going through a lot of preparation for Christmas? I have time, at times past, I've been like the Grinch. Do we have to set up the tree? Do we have to decorate everything? You know, it's a lot of work, huh? How many agree uh, Christmas is the busiest month of the year? Luke 2, 11 and 12, the angel continues to speak. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Ah, a Savior has been born to us, guys. It happened so that we can experience him now. Even his death, that song we sung about resurrection, that resurrection is going on now in us because Jesus was born 2,000 years ago and all the stuff has progressed that we might be partakers of what was done for us, that we might enjoy the benefits of this Christmas season. He is the Messiah. Messiah being the anointed one, the Lord. This will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Luke 2, 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Sometimes when we're not feeling peace, sometimes a mocking comes up from our own soul because we can't agree to that, because we're feeling something or we're seeing something. I say the next time that happens to you, renounce it, rebuke it. Don't let the enemy join with your own soul, but say, I'm not seeing it all. Speak to your soul, tell your soul, I'm not seeing Jesus yet, or I'm not seeing reasons to be joyful. So I renounce those thoughts. I renounce those feelings. I have Jesus. I have been given a Savior. He is with me. I want to ask you a question today. What does this season of celebrating Christ do to you? When you begin to see the lights and you hear the Christmas songs, what does it do to you? Does it invoke joy and gladness and a reason to live and a purpose for living? Or are you troubled? Or you lack excitement? Are you stressed about financial pressure? Does it remind you of loss or loneliness or emptiness in family? If it does, offer those things up to the Lord. Let him change what you're feeling for what the joy he wants you to experience and why you have reason to celebrate. The Christmas gift in Luke 2, 6-7. And while Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for her delivery. And Mary gave birth to her son, her firstborn. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I know there's a lot of gifts going on at Christmas and exchanges, and sometimes you might feel under obligation to buy, but don't come under any obligations. If you want to, do it. If you can't, why don't you just not do it this year or not feel obligation or not go into extra debt? People are going to love you just the way you are. And I was thinking about John 3.16 the greatest gift, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That 
that's an, that's an incredible gift that he's given us, eternal life, peace, that we are someday going to be away from every ache and every pain, every stressful situation, every uh, conflict, every confusing moment in our life, every hurt, every pain, every betrayal. Jesus paid for our life that we might have eternal life and to know God our Father Jesus is the most expensive gift anyone can receive. Could you put a price on, etern- on eternity? Could you put a price on having all of your sins forgiven, all of them wiped away? The only person who remembers it is Satan in your own nature. Jesus is the only gift one can receive that will last forever. Can you think of maybe in the past years, some of your Christmases, some of you who have Maybe had Christmases when you were a kid and you got something you really wanted, but it broke or it wore out or you lost it or you left it somewhere. They seem to lose their value. They lose their lose their excitement. They lose the, you know, in fact, it seems like the expectation sometimes of getting something is greater than getting the gift. But he's something that's going to last forever. Jesus is the only practical gift we will er- we will use daily for the rest of our life. Huh? You know, a lot of times we get practical gifts. Oh, your mom gives you pajamas or, you know, you, you get, like you're, <laughs> you're the wife, you get a vacuum cleaner or something, you know. There's those practical gifts, you know. You got a blender. Here's a new toaster oven. You know, oh, thank you. You know, it's not personal. It's practical. But Jesus, what a practical gift that he's there with us. That when you're suffering, that when you're facing incredible things that he's with you. Irene, he's your practical gift while you're going through this thing. He's with you. We're with you. We love you, Irene. I love Christmas. You know my story. I'm going to tell it to you again. In 1960, at age eight, I was so selfish and greedy. I just wanted for myself. But somehow God's love came upon me. As we just started celebrating that Christmas season, as I was helping my dad put our tree up, it was a couple weeks before Christmas, God's love just dropped on me like a ton of bricks. I didn't ask for it. I didn't expect it. But it changed the rest of my life. 57 years ago. And it's, it's a gift that has never left. I don't feel it every moment. But there are so profound moments when the love of God just drops upon my heart. I am overwhelmed that I am loved. And I've told you I struggle with depression and, and obesity growing up and all the things I struggle with. But God's love is what preserved me. God's love that, that came to me in this relationship that he started with me initiated something in, to, in me to believe no matter what I faced, no matter what I was going through. When my father, with post-traumatic from World War II, could not nurture and love me, God gave me his love and allowed me to love my father in areas that he could not receive love and give love. That's the love of God. It's powerful. It's overwhelming. It, you can't explain it. And I have to say to this day, after that Christmas, I can't remember anything that I got that I really wanted or had this expectation of. And yet I have this excitement every year about Christmas. And it's because of receiving God's love at Christmas time. It's so established Christmas in me. I remember... As a, as a young kid, and we started um, uh, cleaning churches, I remember I loved Christmas because as I'm vacuuming the lobby, 
in the, in the churches we clean, you know, they always seem to put a three up. I saw the lights. You know, I, I saw the decorations, and, and it reminded me of Christmas time and how it's about the season of Jesus' birth and how giving is initiated, and people try to copy that by giving things to each other and pleasing people. And you notice in that, in that season where um, everyone's more friendly. I remember at where we, even the non-Christians used to say, what is it about Christmas time? That guy's a jerk, and he's acting all loving. Wait till January, they'd say. He'd be back to their old self. You know, it's that thing. There's the atmosphere because we celebrate the Christ's birth. Remember what Revelation says that the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And there's a generating thing that happens when we look to Jesus and we look to the decorations and we look to what all the symbols of Christmas. They create that prophetic atmosphere and that joy of his presence that there's a little bit more heaviness of his presence because we're celebrating Christmas. Uh, the Christmas symbols stimulate the, present, his, the sense of his presence. And um, Christmas greenery, I read this every year. I, I've probably done it for about 10 years now, but maybe those of you who don't understand the symbols can get an idea. In the 11th century, a play was performed that showed creation, sin, and ended with a prophecy in Genesis 3.15 that told of a deliverer and a messiah. The paradise tree, that's what they first called it when they first brought an evergreen the paradise tree came from this play. It was a fir, and it was loaded with apples and was placed in the middle of the stage. And the apples they used were red. And it goes back from in some of the old um, Hebrew Jewish manuscripts that were kind of have, have not been prevalent like they were before. They believed that that original uh, tree that was eaten, the fruit, was an apple tree. So it says that the paradise tree it was a fir and was loaded with apples and it was placed in the middle of the stage. Isaiah 60, 13 gives uh, credence to this. The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the pine, the fir, and the cypress together to adorn the place of my sanctuary and I will glorify the place of my feet. And you know, it says that Jesus' feet were nailed to the tree that we might come down and bow before him at the foot of the cross. The tree so glorious now because it looks at the resurrection, post-resurrection. Jesus was crucified on the tree to deal with our sins, and so we celebrate his birth at Christmas by putting having a tree. We have a tree in the sanctuary. It's, it's, it's artificial, but it represents the tree that, that gives glory and honor to God and reminds us it's a, it's a signal of his presence, that we're reminded about Christmas, and it, and it generates that, that excitement, that connection with our with our natural person, with Jesus. I remember uh, in 1970, in fact, it was uh, 47 years yesterday, I started work at United Technologies Chemical Systems that was uh, in our, on our kids in Sunnyvale. And I remember they had three lobbies. They had uh, an employment lobby, they had an executive lobby, and then they had an Air Force lobby. And they would put these huge trees in every lobby. lobby. And it was my favorite thing because I'd start vacuuming about 9 o'clock at night and I'd vacuum till 2 in the morning. All the executive offices, all the Air Force offices. But just, it was a great time. I'd be praying, but I'd be seeing the Christmas tree and I'd be fellowshipping with God because it was a reminder of Jesus. And it was a reminder that what had happened when I was a kid and I, I had felt the love of God. And so I really enjoyed the symbols of Christmas even while I worked as, 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 a, as a janitor.
Well, we've got about eight minutes left, so I'm going to stop there, but will you stand with me? And today, if you have a heavy heart or you're bothered about something, don't leave without dropping it at the altar. If you just want to dump something off right here, if you're discouraged, in, but, uh, but you really don't want anybody praying with you, but you just want to take a minute, you want to drop that burden, you, you want to give it to the Lord, just come over here on my right, your left. And if you want personal prayer, come over on my left, your right, and people will come and pray over you. What's that? And if you, you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, this is the perfect season to start by accepting Christ. And someone will pray with you. Just, just tell them, I want to know that I'm saved. I want to make that prayer. Let's just pray. Lord, as we start this Christmas season, we're asking that you would bathe us in your love and God bathe us in the joy of this season. Every concern that we have, we want to give to you right now that you're going to get us through and you're going to do signs, wonders, and miracles for us. You're going to continue to show that you're involved in every aspect of our life. Lord, move on your people, God. Strengthen, bless them. In Jesus' name.